desire fulfilled is a tree of life. What a powerful statement. Desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Personally, I think the greatest desire that you and I can carry is to know him. It was Paul's desire. Out of everything that he did, he actually said that I want to know him. You think about that, you think about the man's life and everything he accomplished, all the books he wrote that we get to partake of, uh, the miracles that he did, uh, the places he travelled. You know, we just sung a, sung a song, this is my de- desire to be used by you. But I'd go a step before that and say, this is my desire, I want to know you. Because if I don't really know you, guess what? I can't really do what you're calling me to do. And Paul said, compared to knowing him, my life was just a lot of rubbish. Complete load of rubbish. He said, but I want to know you. He said, I have desire to know and the power of a resurrected life. And we could spend a year preaching on that. To know what it means to have the power of a resurrected life, to have power in you, coming out of you, and to have fellowship with your suffering. Is that a crazy desire? Or is that a godly desire? I don't know, it might be a bit of both. You've got to be a bit crazy, don't you, to follow Christ? You've got to be a little bit crazy. You've got to, be, you've got to believe in things you can't see. And so I want to talk about this whole thing called desire and promises that God has. How many of us are carrying desires right now, promises that God has spoken to you about? How many people here have had a desire or a promise already fulfilled? And has that caused life in you? It's grown you, it's developed you in your relationship with him, it's built faith in us. And so it says here that desire fulfilled is a tree of life, Proverbs 13, 12. But before that it says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope that is deferred makes the heart sick. But desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So much life when what we're hoping for, what we're believing for, the desires that we carry, the promises that he's spoken to us about in his word and in our lives come to fruition. I remember myself, you know, God spoke a promise. I've been a believer six months at a men's meeting up in Waikanae and in a room of about 200 men this guy, the speaker, just looks me straight at Amwa like I'm speaking. He points me out and says, you, son, will preach the word of God. I didn't even read the Bible. <laughs> I'm like, you can't be talking to me. So, you know, when you're spinning around looking for the person he's speaking to, you ever done that? You know, when someone's giving a prophetic word and you think, no, no, I'm speaking to you. You're going to preach the word of God. That wasn't a reality at the time. But I associated, I grabbed as much faith as I had in me and I attached that to that promise. I attached that to that desire. 
a desire of God, obviously. It wasn't my desire. That was for the furthest thing from my mind, that. What do you mean? But it was a promise. God had spoken through a man and he spoke it out and it was a promise. And a promise came out of a man's mouth and it went into the atmosphere. See, I've got a choice whether I'm going to grab hold of that or not, don't I? I've got a choice now as to whether that will become a reality if I grab hold of it by faith. Or I can let it just fly by me and do nothing with it. That's nice, but I don't believe it. I don't believe that's going to be my reality. Or I apply faith and I go, wow, really? That's God's desire for me? You know how long that took before that ever became a reality? Five years. I remember, now it wasn't just about I'd preach the Word of God, it was, it was, Greg, you're going to lay your life down for me and you will find yourself in this thing where it will be the sole thing you do. I've called you some and I'm calling you to follow me wholeheartedly in whatever that looks like. Now I remember the first day coming here and please hear me, it's not about working on staff. We're all full-time ministers. But we all have individual lanes that we're going to run it. Now I remember the first first day driving down uh, from Camborne in my TX5 Ford Telstar going, wow, you called this five years ago and today is the day that the promise comes into realisation. Today is the day that those words that were spoken are going to be materialised. And between the day it was spoken and the day it was materialised, there were things that God spoke to me about to do along the way for that ever to become a realisation. And faith and obedience had to be exercised by me over those five years. And he's continued to speak and he's continued to put desires and things into my own heart. I remember, and you may not know this, I've been married before. As a, as a, uh, in 1994 I got married at the age of 24 and a half. <clears throat> that marriage lasted three and a half years. I didn't think I'd ever get married again. It ended badly. It's how I came to faith, really. It was in that darkest pit, knowing I couldn't get myself out of that. There'd been plenty of other times I'd find myself in deep holes and my self-will, my confidence in me and my ability in me and all that stuff managed to pull me out of it. But I couldn't get out of this one. And I thought, that's it. I'll never get married again. No one wants to be with a divorced person. That was just my thinking. And I remember when Danny walked in here and uh, that was about two and a half, three years after that, after I split up with mate's wife. And God put a seed then in my spirit and said, you're going to marry her. I was like, what? He said, you're going to marry her. She walked in and she was late. She walked in with her mum and dad and they went up the steps and they were about there. 
And I remember I was singing on the, in the music team. I wasn't leading it, so I was allowed to look around the room <laughs> and admire God's creation. I thought, my God, you created it. I'm going to look at her. I see you in her. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I knew at that point in time there was stuff that wasn't right in me. I, uh, when I broke up with my ex-wife, I went on a process and, man, I was a bit messed up. I was very messed up and I was trying to find wholeness, trying to find completeness. And to my shame, I, I did some things I'm not proud of, out of my brokenness. And uh, I just remember thinking there's no way that that, that would become a reality. And there were some things that I needed him to sort out in my life. And it was two and a half years, three years from the day he spoke to the day that became a reality. So once again, there's a gap between the desire and the desire coming in. God's timing is a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's also a pain in the... Because I don't know about you, but I really wanted it now. I didn't want to have to wait two and a half years, three years. Now, when I read this, that's a pretty short time. That's really compared to 40 years, compared to 25 years, compared to stuff that's still coming in. Not a long time, but it's quite a long time when you're in it. You know, what does he say? One day is like a thousand years. That's what it feels like. (laughs) You see, God is the most loving God, person, father I've ever met. And he gave me what I needed, not what I wanted. You see, he loves me so much that if, if that had happened in that moment, if Danielle and I got together, guess what? Guess who would have destroyed that? Guess who would have sabotaged that? Guess who would have done it his own way and end up not only affecting her life, but other people's lives as well. Her mum and dad. You see, God loves us so much that he speaks things out and sometimes what he speaks and when it comes in is very close because all the dots align. For whatever reason, he sees what he speaks, he sees the person and they come together. But other times, it's that steadfastness. So he speaks and he says, right, now come on a journey with me. Come follow me. Come follow me because I've got some things that I want to do in you and through you and forget about the promise. Anyone else found that? Forget about the desire. Let me become the desire of your heart. So by the time it comes in, it's not got a hold on you. I've got a hold of you, you've got a hold of me. But see, hope deferred makes the heart sick. We believe in things and when we sabotage things or we lack faith, trust in Him and we grab hold of it ourselves and want to define it, we can actually sabotage the promise from ever coming in. Now God works with us in that and God's so gracious that sometimes our decisions can be catastrophic for what he wants to 
do in us and through us. I don't know about you, but how many of us have heard this? God wants to give you the desires of your heart. We heard that before? Isn't that awesome? God's going to give me the desires of my heart. So what's in my heart right now? I want an England to win the World Cup. They got kicked out after two games. I wanted Liverpool to win the Premiership last year and we went so close. Yes, so close, but no cigar. But your word says you want to give me the desires of my heart. What a cool God. So that means if I can dream it, believe for it, it's going to happen. That's what the Bible says, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It says God wants to give me the desires of my heart. In the millennium. No, now. I read it now. It says he's going to give me the desires of my heart. Woohoo! So, can you put the picture up, Mike? God wants to give me one of these. Yeah! That was the rental car that I drove around Auckland with on Wednesday. How cool is that? Does that mean God's going to give me one of those if I desire it? If I believe for it, by faith I'm going to grab it, I'm going to proclaim it, profess it till it comes in. Is that what he's talking about when he says, God's going to give me the desires of my heart? That was phenomenal to drive him, by the way. Two-door, it actually is better than what it looks. It had this sort of, you know, bucket seat thing and six gears, Tiptronic, but automatic. And, uh, you know, like, it had every bell and whistle you could think of. And I'm like, man, here we go. Pretty well, I was on the autobahns in Germany, eh? Where they're like, this is going to be, you're in Auckland. It says, hey, no way sometimes it's 80k in Auckland. I'm like, what's that about? So I had fun going between second and third. <laughs> so it's in the Bible, and it says that God wants to give me the desires of my heart. So I'm going for one of those, because the Bible says it. Yes? <laughs> go for it. But haven't you heard this? Have you heard preachers that preach this sort of stuff? You see, context is really important. The whole counsel of God is really important because what I just said without context has us chasing stuff, believing for stuff, claiming and proclaiming, confessing stuff because that's what we're taught sometimes which leaves me disillusioned, disappointed, frustrated and sometimes dead because I don't get to see it. You see, when I read things like that scripture, hope deferred makes the heart sick, I wonder why. When this is a message that has been, is and probably will continue to be spoken through the church. The prosperity doctrine. If you can believe for it, claim it and grab it, and it'll be yours. And we confuse the blessing of God, don't we? Because what I actually, what we rented on Wednesday, what I booked was the cheapest car they could have because it was a week between when I could tie up Martin and Tuck to going. So I had a week. So, I, you know, you get all the deals. It's normally you get four weeks. So I booked a 1.8. Toyota Daihatsu. 
But what I get is the guy saying, sir, would you, for $40 more, would you like the... How does that work? See, I believe that's God blessing, but we can confuse that, and now we're professing and confessing this. Can you hear what I'm saying? So God does bless, doesn't he? God pours out on his people whose desires are surrendered, submitted, and defined by him. And we can't confuse the two. I remember some time ago hearing a message about how you, 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 we should all have at least 30 dreams. At least. And you should be writing all those dreams down. The holidays you want to go on, the places you want to be, the people you want to meet, the guy, girl you want to marry, the, uh, the income you want to be on, write them down and believe for them. And if you haven't got 30, there's something wrong with you. They're going to write a book. I'm going to put it out in a book. Now, is God the God of dreams? Yes. Is He the, 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 the God of provision? Is He the God of blessing? Is He the God of, look at this, 10,000 reasons why, but in context and with the whole counsel of God. So we're not ending up with hope deferred, making our hearts sick, wondering why, God, you're such a bad God because you said this, I believe this, but it didn't come in. Can anyone relate to that? Being disappointed because whatever was spoken never came, you believed it because maybe the context and the whole council wasn't either explained to you or maybe it was but you didn't hear it because we have a nature that wants to go after, wants to be fed and it's called self. And so this is this interesting thing. Yes, God gives us desires. Yes, he has promises for us. But as I've said, they must be surrendered to him. They must be submitted to him. And they must be allowed to be defined by him. Three things there. You could almost put submit and surrender together and then allow him to define it. Just come with me to Proverbs 37 where this scripture is. Proverbs 37 verses 4 and 5. Proverbs 37, 4 and 5. Psalm, sorry, Psalm. Thanks, Deb. That would have been interesting. Maybe that's where we're supposed to preach. <laughs> there is no Proverbs there. I'm just checking, see? Just checking, see where you're at with it. It's good. It's good to see where people are the word, Clay. Okay. 37, 4. Verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He will do it. My selfish nature, it loves the second part of that verse. As we said last week or two weeks ago, the Bible says to abide in Him and fruit will be produced. My selfish Nature, my unrenewed mindset, always sees fruit first. 
it always goes to the outcome. It always goes to the fruit. It goes to the good bits. It never quite sees the bit before that, the abiding in. And I believe it's like this. See, we read this passage, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Oh, he's going to give me the desires of my heart. And we completely miss what it means to delight yourself in the Lord. You see, that comes before that for a reason. It's there for a purpose. Everything he puts in here is for a purpose. That's why abide in me first and then this. That's why the commandment becomes before the commission. That's a classic. We completely miss the commandment and we're off into the world. Back to front. You see, we're back to front. You and I are back to front compared to him in our natural state. And there is a rewiring that needs to happen, a renewing where he goes, unplug, unplug, plug in, plug in, poof, sight. Yeah, I can see like you in this matter. And life starts to come because of it. Are you with me? For the renewing of our thinking, our mind, and be able to see. And so I don't know about you, but my first part goes to that before it goes to delight yourself in the Lord. Interesting. The reason God is able to give us the desires of our heart is because as we delight in God and become one with Him, the desires of our heart have become His desires. They are no longer our selfish desires, but through the process of delighting in Him or abiding in Him, we have come into a position of oneness or union with Him. So literally, His desire has become our desire and it is now in our heart. I will give you the desire of your heart because that desire is my desire. So what does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? It means coming to know Him. Firstly. I don't think we fully get that. I don't think we really fully get the power that is found in truly knowing Him. Knowing Him for who He is. Knowing the love, meaning it's in you. He's revealed himself. He revealed himself in Paul. Not to him, in him. And the greater that we receive the revelation of this, I guarantee you the greater the transformation of our lives. Everything is anchored in our knowing of him. And if you stop and think about that from a physical sense, it applies to everything. But we somehow don't apply it to him because we already think we do know him. But my experience, if I can say this and be honest, is that many Christians that I meet only know about God. They can give you factual information. They can tell you things that he's done. They can 
rattle off all these cool things about him. He, he's this, he's that, he's this, he's this. But when I asked them, okay, tell me about tell me of him. Let, let who he is speak from here. Don't speak from here. Speak from here. Let this speak. It's a struggle. And that's why I said I believe the greatest desire that we could carry, and I believe it's God's greatest desire for us, is to know him. Come follow me. Let me lead you to my Father. Because the Bible says that the Father is the only one who knows the Son, and the Son is the only one who knows the Father, and to whom the Son chooses to reveal. That's one scripture. Matthew 16, 18 says it this way. It says, Peter, how did you, how did you know that my Father, so how did you know I was the Messiah? And what is what, 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 is, what does Scripture say? He said, the reason you knew I was the Messiah, said, flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you. It wasn't the guy at the front speaking. It wasn't that you asked John and he told you. It was my Father has revealed it to you. On the revelation, on the knowing, I'll build my people. So I believe, and I believe Scripture would lead us, and I believe Paul believed it, that the greatest desire of any human being is to know the Creator in a way that transforms a person. So Lord, I just ask you right now to bring that revelation to us at a much deeper level. I pray, Holy Spirit, because you're the only one that can do it. Lord, you teach us, you tell us, you write it down, that there is a love that can be experienced and known beyond any intellectual book. You say, how wide, how deep, how high is it? It'll change us. You say the truth will set us free. You are the truth. You are love. You are the Spirit. So Father, I pray right now as we continue to move forward as a family that we would all get to experience the depth of you at a much greater level and a measure that we currently are in because it will set us free. In Jesus' name. Delighting yourself in him means that coming to know him becomes our greatest desire, to become one with him and to have him inhabit your heart and mind. He literally becomes our everything and nothing or no one can compete for this position in our hearts. Because of this position of intimacy that we hold with the Father, we are now carriers of his desires. I think that's a phenomenal statement. You and I are to be carriers of a shared desire which is birthed from Him. See, He has desires. He has dreams. Curtis shared this. It's, it's His dream. It's His game. He wrote it down. He said, I've got, I've got plans. I've got things. I've got desires that I want to share with you and I want them to, to be in you and then I want you to take those things and I want them to become a reality in your life and then I want you to share with others my dreams, my desires, my ways. And they are so far beyond just the life that many of us are just living today of looking for a husband and wife to marry and maybe having some kids and having a nice car and maybe driving that around and going on a holiday. 
All those things are cool. All those things are awesome. They are things. But man, God has got so much more in store than those things. Those things are good, but we hold them lightly. But they are there are bigger desires that God wants in us and things that we will leak because we are carriers of His desires. Not only for ourselves, but for other people. Imagine that. You and I are carriers of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords' heartbeat. To partner with that and to see it established. You and I, truly phenomenal. Verse 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. Commit your way to the Lord. Are you committed to Him? Are you committing your ways to Him? Or are we still trying to define it all? Are we still trying to come up with our own version of what this says, wondering why we're not in the life? Because it says, desires fulfilled become a a tree of life. There is promises. He says here, commit your way to me. Trust also in me. And guess what? I will do it. He promises. So there is a reality for us to come into where we can truly be and see his desires fulfilled in us and through us and for us and for others. To see his kingdom established in the church, meaning not a building here, here and through. A shared desire. I love the thought of that. Union. What's it about? The two becoming one. Let me just read this. When I can find it. What an amazing thing to be a carrier of his desires or promises which are our desires and our hearts from delighting in the Lord. But there is another part of this delighting in the Lord process if we want to see the fullness of these desires realized. Once the desire or promise is birthed and is in our heart because of our oneness with Him, because we have died to ourselves, then we must be prepared to allow God to define what these desires or promises will, one, look like. Two, when they will happen. And three, how they will happen. We must surrender and submit these desires or promises back to God. And this is where faith in Him is crucial and critical if the desire or promise is to be realized. Let me just read you, and don't turn there, just listen to this. This is Psalm 37, 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Just listen for the key words. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. But the humble will inherit the land, and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. 
You see, it's one thing to commit our way to Him. It's another thing to then trust Him in that way. So He speaks. Greg, you will be a communicator of my word. I've had other words that have been spoken, promises. Some of those have been fulfilled, some are still to. And it's awesome, isn't it? Who loves getting a word directly from him? Phenomenal. And the challenge is the walking it out. We get all excited. We get emotionally charged up. Here we go. God gave me a word of what it looks like. And generally what happens, sometimes the first obstacle that comes bowls us over. Or we sabotage that very thing. Because we go, I'm surrendering my life, submitting my life, called to walk with you. He says, great, now, here we go, now I'm going to define the very thing. You see, Abraham and Isaac, it's a beautiful story of God speaking forth a promise, wasn't it? You will have a son. Now, the challenge is, Abraham, it's going to be 25 years until you get to hold the son. For God, that's a day. That's nothing. I'm outside of time. It's not a long time for me. Long time for us. So you imagine this. Put yourself in this. Abraham, 75 when it gets spoken. Sarah, his wife. They journey that, carrying that in their hearts. Not knowing when. Moving forward. The day happens. Now, you know, they, they have birth, they give birth to a son. Not any son, though. Think about this. This isn't any son. This isn't just like, oh, Greg and Danielle having a child. This is the son that the nations are going to come through. Hey, this is the inheritance son. This is the son that he's spoken about, and boom, the nations are going to come through this boy. You won't even be able to count them. Whoa, he's getting excited. He's getting all, woohoo, here we go. God's spoken, it's happening. I've got him now. The boy grows up. I think he's about 14, 15. And then God says, okay, it's time to give him back. You what? It's time to give him back. What do you mean? It's time to give him back. It's time to give him back. He's going to die. As we know, Abraham demonstrates incredible faith. Why? Is God doing this? Now, I believe one of my own personal convictions is saying, I want to define the promise that I gave you. I'm calling it. And I also want to know that am I still the centerpiece of your heart? Or is the promise? See, that's what can happen. Desires and promises we believe for can become the very God. They can become idols. And God gets shunted out the way and this thing comes in. Remember I said to you before, God is so loving that he will not give you what you may want. He gives you what you need until you come to a place where you can handle the promise or the desire.
that he wants to put in your hand. Because you would kill it. You would sabotage it. You would destroy it through your own fleshly human weakness. Right? So he says, give me the boy back. He's testing him, isn't he? It's a test for Abraham. Will you let me define what's become our shared promise for my glory? I can speak to this from a personal place as well. Because three and a half years ago, God said this to me. He said, Greg, he said, I put this passion and desire and my power and the revelation of me in you. And you've been doing the best that you could do with it so far. But there's more I want to show you about how I grow and how I lead the church and how I build the church. But see, I, I had that sorted. So I thought. But God already know how you build the church. I already know it. You mean you put it in me, you put this desire, you put this passion. I didn't ask for it. You put it in me. I've been running with you. I didn't choose that. You came and boom. And I, I know what we're doing. He said, Greg, today's the day I call it. I want to define it. I've let you do some things up until this point. But today is the day I want to define what this looks like. Will you let me define my promise? And cut a long story short, I said yes. Created a whole lot of chaos here. <laughs> Half the people that come here aren't here anymore. But the reality for me personally is the freedom and the joy and the peace and the life that I'm in now is phenomenal. He comes to Abraham and he says, okay, give me back what's mine. Oh, by the way, now have it back. Now have it back. Is it truly mine or is it yours? Because when it's truly mine and I give it back to you, it'll always be ours, but you'll never carry it to the thing where it burdens you. Because I called you to live in freedom. Whether you have it or not, guess who have you got? you got me. God is the greatest thing, greatest person we can have living on this side of us, beyond being married, beyond being on stage, beyond preaching the word, beyond any of those things. All those things are awesome, but they're nowhere near as great as having him as your cornerstone, as the very thing that you're living from. Amen? So yeah, God wants to give us the desires of our heart. But can I encourage you to delight yourself in him? Surrender to him. Submit to him. Be obedient to him. And be faithful. Because he is faithful. I love some of these things. We can trust him. And in that intimacy and that oneness, together we'll get birthed desires. His desire. That's why it says, ask for whatever you wish and it shall be done for you because you've abided in me. We're praying for things that we not they're not coming from an abiding place. They're just us praying for stuff. Abide in me, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you.
The reason Christ moves so powerfully is because he abided in his Father and it was his Father's heart being released. It ain't just give it a go. It's seek him. And you'll see things change and shift and allow him to be the thing that's at the centre. So Father, tonight I just want to I pray, Lord, what's been shared is of you. I, I thank you, Lord, in the way you wanted to do it. And Father, I just pray that, that we would hold everything lightly and hold you tightly. I pray, Father, that, that as we continue to seek you and move with you, with one another, Lord, that those desires that you give us are your desires. If there are things in our hearts tonight, Lord, that are not from you that we're holding, I pray that we would just relinquish those things. I pray, Father, that we would maybe ask you if they are of you. And Father, if those things are of you, then I pray that we would give them back to you. I remember you saying to me, Lord, that I had to let Danny go for her to come back. I had to let it go for the desire to be realized. And so, Lord, tonight I pray that you would give us the strength. Help us to be faithful to give it back to you. Let it go for you to give it back. So we're not defined by it, but we're defined by you. I ask this in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.